Welcome to this episode 31 of the Northern Invasion podcast. And Liam has just left us. He's run away and he's left it to myself and Mr. Watson. So it's Stu West and Nathan. Hello, hello. And we're probably going to get uh, joined as well by our our fearless leader and captain of the Scottish Six Nations team, Mr. Michael Callahan, uh, later on as well. Um, all being well. So we're just going to crack straight in. It's been a while since we've been on. Uh, you've had a, an episode of Scott. Um, we've had some Bobo diaries and whatnot. Uh, we did do a, a Six Nations diaries, but um, I've, I've, I've not edited that together because I, I, I remember with with um, uh, cringes and uncertainty um, it being passed around a drunken table. Um, and, I, and I really don't want to listen back to it. <laughs> I think it's best that that maybe disappear a while until the podcast is ending. And then we'll maybe just, I'm outy and just put it up. <laughs> because yeah. I would just, uh, yeah, bury that in a time capsule. <laughs> I think so. I think I think we'll do that. That can be one for a Christmas special yeah. somewhere in many years. <laughs> anyway, so, so what have we got? We've got hobby. So I have been rubbish with hobby. I have done since I got back from the Six Nations. when I think last time I was on, I was building an Arch Revenant. Um, so I kind of finished that to a, an acceptable standard. So it got my my standard sort of uh, tabletop Sylvaneth finish. I didn't pick out too many details. Um, did the base and whatnot. Didn't bother with that big flying thing on its back because uh, it looks ridiculous. Um, and that's it. I've not... I've, I've not done anything since. Oh, it's just ridiculous. It's not. It is. I'm not a fan. I might mount it on some wire or something and having it swooping, but I just don't like it on the back. It just doesn't do it for me. The universe doesn't care about your opinion, Stuart. It's awesome. (laughs) And I don't think I'll ever play with Sylvaneth again anyway, so I don't think I I have to worry about it that much. Uh, And I've done absolutely hee-haw. I've done nothing. Um... No games? No games. You bought anything? Buying counts as hobby? Nope. Oh my god. Not even bought anything. Um, Nope. Honestly, I have done nothing. I've I've actually got packages here of prizes and sponsorship for Northern Invasion and I've not even opened them. Oh my god. So, yeah, I've had a a lull. So, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm sure I'll recover very soon. Um, I'm looking forward. I've, I'm getting things ready for Northern Invasion. I'll maybe couple, cover that in my news. Um, but yeah, so I'm a. Uh, I, I have to hang my head in shame, um, and I'm hoping that you've done enough hobby for the pair of us. Oh yeah, I've done all the hobby, loads and loads <laughs> of hobby. Um, so I'm still slowly but surely working through a project for a friend of mine. Um, his deepkin. I was meant to actually pick up a bunch of it on Saturday there, but he didn't have it ready in time, so I'll be collecting that uh, this Saturday coming after Cry Havoc. So I'm painting his army for him, but while I've been waiting to take collection of that, I actually got a new army delivered when I was at Six Nations. So while I was at Six Nations, I bought an army and sold my deepkin army <laughs> to the bazooka. <laughs> so um, yeah, so I've been building vermin lords and clan rats for a couple of weeks now. I was building the clan rats before we went to Six Nations. 
and then since I got back, I've just been building Vermin Lords. Well aware the points are going to change. Uh, not interested in things like plague monks and stuff. I fancy trying that endless spell list, and I've liked the Skaven book since it first came out, just in its design. I like the idea that you can take three units of clan rats and then just mix and match units and heroes and stuff. Um, so yeah, looking forward to seeing what the General's Handbook does. Hopefully, uh, brings them back in line with everything else. But looking forward to being able to change my list after games. Hey, that's before of... been playing the same list for six months. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it. I think we've said that in the past, haven't we? About just the the breadth and the flexibility in this book that you can oh, actually yeah. paint a collection rather than painting two thousand points and that being it. You can yeah, definitely. You, you can just you can you could pack an army together for a tournament uh, on a certain play style that you want to experience for that weekend, and I think that's a pretty strong thing in the book. It's not all about plague monks. No, definitely. I'd like I've got twenty, but I doubt they'll I doubt they'll get built. And that's just the twenty that came with the start collecting box. I, I'm not a fan of the models, and the power gamer in me wants to find other elements in the book that are strong. And I think that there's definitely elements there, like Acolytes and Giselles definitely look good. Um, I've got one of each of the Vermin Lords now, because I've magnetised Screech to be the Warbringer or Screech. So I've now got access to all the uh, the plastic Vermin Lords to mix and match with the army. Um, I've got Gracier and Gracier on Bell, so I've almost got the full collection. Um, the only thing I need to pick up so far is some storm vermin who do look very good a little bit pricey if anything i hope that a lot of the stuff in the book goes up in points like some of the vermin lords go up endless spell go up a little bit maybe the warp lightning cannons and stuff and i think storm vermin could maybe even come down to counter sync like kind of counterbalance it um but no the the book is the book is looking like the type of army that would suit the amount of time i get to play mm. so I I'm think yeah, the, to getting a game in. I think they're not the powerful OP filth that they originally were, are they, Storm Vermin? I think that everything's caught up and they've maybe been pointed out of it a little bit. Well, so. they're 500 points for 40 models. Um, I think if, if they hit you with all the buffs and stuff, they're going to do a lot of damage because they've got 2-inch reach and they're on 25 mil bases, but they just fall over. They've got a 4-up a save if they're above 10 models. And that's it. They'll, they'll just die to anything that touches them. Yeah. And they're they're really expensive. Like they're 100 points less than 30 Hearthguard Berserkers. Yeah, they need to come down, definitely. Yeah. And we want to see what that should be the elites and the units. Oh, yeah. That should that be taking over your Plague Monks, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I think uh, I think we'll see more of it as well with when we talk about different ways to play as well, um, when we come on oh, yeah. to news and things. But I think that that sort of breadth of flexibility is going to be really key. And having a good anchor of storm vermin could be could be nice mm -hmm. so what what have you thought about the the forge world ones because i know that um the work myself, yeah well when i was looking at skaven i i just wanted to do some kind of a molder list just because i thought oh that'd be fun yeah and they do they do like the wolf rat things don't they and then they do the the, the alternate uh vermin lord type thing and then they've got the guy on the back of a giant is he on an abyssal actually um so you've got the there's a claw lord that is on a kind of monstrous mount 
I know yeah. Michael Hans has one. Okay. Um, I think it's all right. Like I've played against Michael Hans list a few times with it, and it's okay. Um, it's just like a claw lord that's got access to a little bit more um, damage because it's on the, the monstrous mount. It's called a uh, Skaven Claw Lord on a Brood Horror. That's so the one. Is. Yeah. It's a, it's a really cool looking model, but um, I don't know how. Like you don't see many claw lords in the game just now. Like I like the claw lord. Uh, formation where you can take two units of clan rats a claw lord and some storm veron it gets your drops down a little bit yeah um but i I think you would probably just take the one on foot because Mm -hmm. you're just uh, taking additional points you're not really going to make use out of the warp no vermin lord was always quite cool adam rawson played with one um quite a bit with his uh pestilence list yeah i played him at Aegon with it and i played him at the howling i think i played him at event up in scotland with it as well but um, that's the one where you can take a unit with you and yeah. deep strike it. It's a cool, it's a cool model, um, cool rules. But I think it's just outshone by the other, I believe, cheaper vermin lords yeah. at the moment. Um, maybe when the vermin lord points go up, he might seem a, a bit more attractive. But yeah, no, I think he, I think he's got like a massive, like flat six damage weapon or something like that when he's at full health. Yeah. yeah, there's some great options, and I think yeah, you can build that army exactly how you want to. There's, there's yeah. like four or five different solid armies in that book. So, um, and I think that once the points get uh, a bit of a tweak, you'll you'll start to see a bit a, a few different flavors coming through. Well, it was one of the things that um, Jervis Johnson said. I got opportunity to speak to him at the the Warhammer Fest. His comment was that the Skaven book was in his opinion, very well internally balanced. If you take points out of the equation and you look at what the War Scrolls and stuff can do, I believe probably an exception of the Warp Lightning Vortex that seems broken. But um, if you look at the if you look at the actual rules that are in the book, it yeah. is really well balanced. Points are its issue, um, which I'd agree with. Yeah, and so so the Warp Lightning Vortex. Just touching on that for a minute because. That's got a lot of bad press, and I think every Skaven tied list that was at Six Nations had a, a vortex. Oh yeah, they'll all have it. Uh, so, do you think that a fix would be that it doesn't? It only does one bang of damage when you put it down, because at the moment you cast it, it does the damage when you set it up. Then it also does it in the movement phase, and you're potentially doing two or three uh, turns worth of damage to something. Plus, it halves your movement. You can't fly or whatever it is. And so it's taking a while for less mobile things to get out of it, and you're pretty much killing stuff, aren't you? Is there an easy fix, or do you think it's just a points thing to fix it? Me and Liam have spoke about it a bit. I think that 100 points for a spell seems seems about right. I think that you're going into like kind of weird territory if you start putting the, the points of an endless spell above 100 points. I yeah. think if you're at the position where you need to put it above 100 points, you'd be as well changing the War Scroll. Yeah. Um, and a couple of the suggestions that me and Liam have been talking about, and which I think would probably fix it, would be yeah, stopping it double tapping the turn that's put down. Um, and the only reason I think that would be a good fix is it has the potential to do D6 mortal wounds, and its range is ridiculous if you take into account that you put one of them down within 26, then the other one's within seven. 
yeah. and then it affects you and it's six inches away from that so you're almost reaching the backboard edge with a spell um, that can do d6 mortal wounds on a six yeah. and you're getting two opportunities to do that before your opponent's movement phase likely three if they can't move out of range of it so letting it only do it in the movement phase i think would be good it gives uh, units that have an ability to move in the hero phase to get out of range of it a kind of counter as well um and i agree with liam it should be changed from cast on a eight to cast on a seven um so it's easier to unbind yeah or maybe make arcane scenery a bonus to dispel yeah an endless spell like they need to do something to make it a little bit easier to get rid of Mm -hmm. um because because it's cast on an eight and you need like a hard nine and i I believe there's only two or three things in the entire collection of books that give you a bonus to dispelling spells it's a little bit um it's a little bit powerful but it's just where where you put it like even the skaven himself gets plus one to get rid of it with master of magic Mm -hmm. so yeah I, i would like to see it change in some way to make it easier to get rid of I think it's only that recent um, cohort of books where you get in bonuses to dispel. And yeah. I think that, to me, um, a little FAQ or a little tweak somewhere that said um, in the General's Handbook or in in a in some kind of core rules um, chat that any bonus to unbind is also a bonus to dispel. Because it seems that that's the way things are going in the later books that does, have come yeah. out since Endless Spells. So... It'd seem a bit unfair for those books that are not due a rewrite for uh, a couple of years. That if they're the only ones who fall behind and can't get rid of these things, yeah. So because it's even more powerful than I first gave it credit for. Because initially I thought that for each spell cast that you've got, you can make an attempt to get rid of an endless spell. Yeah. But it was like pointed out to us at Six Nations. Can't believe we actually missed it. I had to go and look up the page in the book to actually read it for myself. But it is as clear as day. You can only attempt to unbind an endless spell once per turn. So yeah. no matter how many spellcasters you've got, you've got one opportunity to roll a nine to get rid of that thing. That's no easy feat. And if you no. fail that one attempt, it's a it's a very much a feel bad, especially when you count you combo it with the soul snare shackles. Like yeah. I don't think we've actually spoke about it in any great detail in the podcast, but you can do things like put the warp lightning vortex down to make a model unable to fly. And then put the shackles down to half the movement as well. Mm-hmm. But against monsters, a lot of them you can put the shack. If you can get close enough, you can put the shackles around it so that that model can't move. It just pins it, doesn't it? It can't fly because of the vortex. And then the shackles, you can't move over them unless you fly. So yeah, you're, you're just, just kind of like stuck in place. So like when you look at armies like Iron Jaws or Beast Claw Raiders or um fire slayers if they don't have any of the the tricks and tools to to get rid of endless spells just sticking that around a um a magma droth or something so they can't move or yeah it's it's obstructive it's uh it's a horrible thing to to do i remember last year at northern invasion um and we were doing some interviews the night before and um, we spoke to Paul Whitehead and he'd specifically brought the um, shackles because he'd just been to a tournament. Yeah, he'd had it done to and him. He, and he'd had his stone horn um, yeah. penned in, hadn't he, with the shackles and he couldn't move it the whole game. So he brought yeah, it, it specifically that he was going to do that to someone. So you and this to makes... see a lot of people take the Thermal Rider cloak on the stone horn after that as well to let it fly yeah. so they can get out of it. But yeah. yeah, but this is a, a pretty 
devastating combo because mm. I mean you imagine things like you're a, like you say a magma dragon or you're imagining things like a a Mortark or a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. You pin them with the shackles and the vortex, and then you've you've basically you've got maybe a quarter of somebody's army stuck slowly dying, yeah. and there's nothing they can do about it. Like the army I'm taking to cry havoc, <coughs> the Tom Mosley and I suppose it's Tom Mosley's idea, but I think it was amended by Dan Bradshaw. I'm not sure if he copied Tom Mosley's updated version, but it's the four Vermin Lords, Gracier, and eight Endless Spells. Um, and the Endless Spells can do damage, but I believe the the whole trick behind it is you just get those spells down and just block units. Just don't let them move. Like, it's got the Palisades, which is well, about six inches long. Yeah. And then you've got the Skaven Tide, which is on a 120mm base. Um, and you just put all the endless spells down in front of your opponent. They can't fly because of the vortex, <laughs> and you just just trap them, just block and them off you of stick objectives. Stick the pendulum right down the line. Yeah, just right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got Skitterleap pendulum and, <laughs> and dreaded Skitterleap as well. So you've got the one that can put you six inches away. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it, for me, I wanted to try it out because it seems really interesting. It doesn't seem like the type of netlist you can just pick up and just play with. I think you need to think a lot about how the the phase between rounds works yeah. because you've got to like take it in turns to move the spells and whoever wins or loses priority gets to decide what one they're going to move first. And It does sound interesting. Like Initially, uh, Kev Lowe's doing a version of the list as well and uh, initially we tried to get a grudge so that we would both like because I think he's got seven endless spells and I've got eight, and if we could get all the endless spells on the table at one go, I was I was wondering if we could even complete five turns because you've got your five turns each, but then you've also got uh, four turns where you get to move the spells. <laughs> and if there's <laughs> if there's uh, fifteen of them on the table, it'd be a bit of a mission. But um, I think all the all the grudges got scrapped because it's a strength of schedule event and yeah. the draw got redone. But maybe we'll meet in round two or three. We'll see. <laughs> mm. Who've you got then, round one? Uh, round one, I have Ian Hunter and oh, nice. Grissogor. So the last I've only played Ian Hunter once. I've kind of kept up. Uh, kept in touch with him at events because he goes to a lot of the or he did go to a lot of the agoms yeah um but uh i've only played him once and it was at cry havoc two years ago when i first started going to tournaments i think it was like my second tournament and he beat me i had my my iron jaws and he beat me on knife to the heart or taken hold or did, one of, one of those missions was yeah the, he did the, he did that my iron jaws i was doing the <laughs> i had an iron jaws weird fist with the, the bailwind vortex so I was like increasing the range of the spell from the weird knob shaman to like forty or fifty inches or something ridiculous, and adding mortal wounds to fit a gork and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a good game. It was the only time we've played, so I'm looking forward to having to dodge his four dragons. He's got a six model list. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say yeah. he's running. Oh, he's got, good man. He's got uh, the um, Go King on Terrorgeist and two Arch Regents. And then his battle line is another Terrorgeist and two Zombie Dragons, I think. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a couple of spells. He's like 1,900 points. And he's got three summons. So he's got the potential for like three units of Horrors or Flares or uh, a unit of Flares or Horrors and 40 Ghouls or maybe some 
heroes or whatever it's star strike we're playing as well so it's going to be a really good game i'm looking yeah. forward to it oh that'll be good right well there we go there's hobby hobby and uh, a little bit of a detour yep some, <laughs> s- some news should we take um the uh the new the new uh the the new general's handbook first or should we take the northern invasion pack go on you can choose yeah let's do the general's handbook first Okay, so go finish with your pack. So go on then, hit people with this. This is there's been leaks the last couple of days, hasn't it? Well, we say leaks. There's been articles on the community pages, yeah, um, of uh, a couple of different things about the new general's handbook. Pre-orders are as we're speaking next Saturday, and yeah. release is the following Saturday. So what date does that put the release at? Twenty second, I believe. Pre-orders on the fifteenth. Is that right? Yeah, and I yeah. think I checking my pack i've put the deadlines yeah the it's no no i've given an extra few days so that's the 30th isn't it it's the 30th yeah so it's going to be the sunday so not the day after it's going to be the following sunday so everybody will have eight days to um digest the points and get an army uh, a list written so that's good so do you want to talk us through the first couple of uh the first couple of articles and and is there anything that's getting you excited yeah, so um, a couple of things that aren't really getting me excited and a couple that are. Um, so we'll start with the ones that aren't. Uh, mercenary companies do nothing for me. Mm. Um, I don't like soup. I don't like allies. Um, I begrudgingly took allies in a list to Masters and I think an event in January. And since then, I've just tried to move away from them. I, I just don't like allies. I don't like what they do for the game. Um, I just think that at the moment because we're getting so many mono faction books i'd like to see it disappear i don't like soup armies and essentially what it does is for the price of a command point you can take like a it's almost like a mini formation in a way so uh, like i believe one of them is that you can take a a a necromancer and some skeletons and they get to add one to their attacks characteristic while they're within 18 inches of the necromancer so you're giving up a command point to get a permanent buff that you would get once per turn from a command point if you had like a vampire lord or something so but they're gonna be i think they might be a lot more valuable command points might be in the next edition if we're thinking about well i mean i don't know if they still buy them one of the one of the leaks that we've had from a fairly reputable source or so I've heard is that um, you're not going to be able to buy more than one. Yeah. So I believe the maximum you're going to be able to get turn one is going to be three uh-huh. uh, because you could have one for a formation, be 1950 points for another one and then get one in your first turn, which yeah. does reduce. Like if you think about Gristlegore at the moment, most of them are between 1850 or 19, 1900 points and they have a formation so you've got what what's that that's three four five on turn one mm. um yeah. yeah so i think that them being limited from five to three is definitely a thing even I, if I, their points don't change i like it a bit I, I like the idea just because i get quite i don't know immersed in the the backstories of my armies and things and if i think that i i've that one really got me the um the first one that they sort of released, which was, uh, well, the first one I saw, which was the Dwardin one, where you had the uh, the 
the spotter gyrocopter yeah and the uh yeah, the cannon and mm. stuff and i was just thinking oh i'd love that and I'd, I'd convert it up to be part of my army and things i wouldn't just black smoke battery yeah. That one? yeah yeah I, I just think that it, it depends um it depends on how they are but you could make them quite characterful there was that one where it's just is it three three gargants or gargants like, or something Grugs, like, grug brothers yeah I, I just hope that they don't count towards your behemoths i don't know if they do they probably oh do God, yeah they probably it'd be do. amazing if you could just fire them in but i don't know how that'd work because i mean do mercenaries count towards your um your allies points so you can only have 400 points to take it i believe they will yeah yeah um but then i don't know how the gargants work because i believe they're 170 so yeah it would be three wouldn't it yeah yeah in a 2000 point game yeah but yeah so that that's one thing and then there's there's also been some rumors about um more command abilities and things is that right yeah one of the one of the leaks that we've seen today was that you're going to get a reroll hit rolls of one command ability a reroll wound rolls of one command ability and i can't remember what the other one was um let me see if I can find it on my phone. And are these, yeah. are these just generic ones to complement the turn a turn a, a run roll to a six, re-roll a charge and exactly, pass a yeah. shock? Yeah. I would like to maybe see some of them change as well. Like I, battle shock for me is almost like not even a thing anymore. Mm. Because it's just so easy to to pass battle shock now. And even if they limit the command points to like not being able to start with more than three you've got books like grots and skaven that have a, quite a few abilities to generate additional command points within the game for almost like free and they're the ones that would be the biggest victims of battleshock like it's very rare that battleshock becomes a thing in my opinion um like at least in the games that i play very few units are impacted by it in any way so I'd like to maybe see that go to two command points or something. Um, yeah, or you have to nominate it, it in the hero phase. Yeah, um, and then you have to sort of yeah, you you make like one of the you make yeah, so you make it um, immune, but then your opponent thinks, well, I'm probably not going to break it and destroy it totally, so I'll go for the one that is not um, is not given the inspiring speech to this turn and uh, slap them about instead. So at that point, it you know you you're choosing in the hero mm-hmm. phase how to what you're making immune rather than just now where it just becomes, as you say, it's, it's hardly a thing. Rerolls, save rolls of one was the other command ability. So mystic shield essentially. Yeah. Uh, What, what I would hope is that you can't start with three, maybe you can only start with two. So you can either take a formation to get your free command point and go all the way up to 2000 points, or you can take no formation and be 1950 and get, yeah. the extra command point just so that you've you've got you can you can orchestrate it so you've got one before you have a turn in case you yeah. need to save a unit or something um that's the that's the one thing I, I do like about um inspiring presence being in the battle shock phase the fact that you can defend against getting a unit battle shocked off before you've had a chance to react like yeah. after you've, you've had your deployment and that's it um so that's why i think it's quite cool it's in the battle shock phase but mm-hmm. i just think that as the game goes on and you get more and more command points maybe by giving offensive options for command points to everybody like reroll hit rolls of one and reroll wind rolls of one 
people might be spending their command points a bit more freely and they won't have them available for Battleshock. I guess we'll just need to, to wait and see. Yeah, but, it kind of diminishes poor uh, Manfred. I mean, yeah. Manfred's command point goes on. Uh, granted, it is a it is a bubble, and it's both um, hits and wounds of one. But still, just giving any old any old soldier a, a re-roll hits mm-hmm. or wounds of one makes him a bit sad. Apparently, there's a lot more point adjustments of ten as well, rather okay. than your standard twenty or forty mm-hmm. that we've seen in the past. Like one of the rumors that I saw today was the eels are up 10 points. Okay. Um, obviously, God knows how true it is or whatever. I was expecting at least 20 and potentially 40 because of the knee-jerk reaction the community had to them. Yeah. Um, but I think light touches and 10 points here and there on some units, like 10-point reductions, 10 points increases um, is maybe the the way to go unless something is clearly underpointed like for instance like the vermin lord warps here at 260 he could easily go to to 300 you could bump him up 40 points and you'd still see him yeah um but yeah stuff stuff like that is promising the last thing i want to see at the moment believe it or not is i don't want to see doc nerfed into the ground i don't want you to just not see them anymore yeah we were all um, praying for it weren't we six months yeah. ago everybody was clamming for it like in that um the january faq that came in december oh, the yeah. rage when hags didn't get touched uh and now if they get the they get hit with it now they're only they're just one of the counters that we've got left against the the new powerhouses so exactly it'd be a yeah. shame if they did get hammered like marathi can definitely go up and i, I believe the figure people have said was hags at 90 so that's a 30 point increase on hags um little things like that will reduce the amount of bodies and the amount of stuff that they can get in the army without making them too strong and we've already seen that uh, gets corn uh, feck and skaven will be getting points adjustments in a digital form at the release of the book as well whether that's at the release of the book or a fortnight after, I don't know. No. But um, they will get a digital uh, compendium to go alongside the the physical oh, yeah, points right. book. So they are going to get a points update sooner rather than later, which is one of the things I'd heard at the fest as well, that they were planning on doing maybe like sort of six monthly reviews of books so that books aren't missed when it comes to doing these. Like they send the thing to print in January with the the feedback they've had from all the other books, but they need to be able to react to feedback post other books that are released. Because, yeah. like, while Doc and Legions of Nagash needed a big change before Christmas to bring them back in line with everything else, when there's more power filth that gets released, and all of a sudden they don't need to be adjusted as much. It's more the weak stuff needs to be adjusted to bring it in line yeah. to kind of even it out. So, I'd like to see another points document in the January FAQ or December FAQ like it was this year, mm-hmm. um, six months on, I'd welcome it. it. wouldn't bother me at all, especially if it's light touches. It's not yeah. like your whole army is going to be invalidated. No, no. So this this change is afoot. Um, but go on then. So today's, today's, uh, today's announcement announcement's the one that's got everybody going, hasn't it? And Liam's just come on like an excited child and then had to run away because his missus has come up. <laughs> yeah, so. as soon as it was posted, I was, I was messaging Liam because this is something that really excites me. 
Um, those that know me know that I like playing games. And if there's anything that excites me, it is being able to play more games in the time that I have. So <laughs> um, so it's basically the meeting engagements, the 1,000-point games that all the community and rules writer guys have been pushing pretty hard. Like, they released that video at the start of the weekend, I believe, Jervis and... Um, Oh God, the other guy's names escaped me. That's terrible. But we were basically talking about um, this meeting engagements and how it's going to be the like probably the main focus of their uh, this general's handbook. There's always something new that comes in each general's handbook, and this is what's coming for matched play this year. Yeah. Um. So it's basically one thousand point games where you have a, a one thousand point army that's made up of a spearhead, a main body, and then a rear guard. So it looks like you've got a tactical element in how you build your thousand point list so that like you only start with your spearhead on the table at the beginning of the game. From reading it, I believe the main body of your army appears at the end of your turn one or at the end of turn one, maybe between rounds. And then your rear guard is a, a reinforcement that will arrive likely yeah. the turn following that. Um I suppose it'll be dependent upon the battle plan as well, won't it? That yeah. might have some timings in it. And it's played on a smaller board as well, which was is quite it a good. Four so... before, is it? Is well, it four foot before foot? No. They oh. recommend thirty to thirty six inches by forty to forty eight inches. Now, do you remember the little board that they released with the scenery? It was like a cardboard board. Yeah. Yeah. And you got I... one yeah, you got yeah. You got the bit of scenery and you got the sort of cardboard mat. I believe it is that is this a similar sort of size. Okay. I want to say it's similar size. Basically, what they want to do is they want it to be missions that are played on smaller tables, like maybe your your kitchen table or a coffee table or something, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't need to have a massive six by four board or four like even a four by four board can be a bit unwieldy on your average dining table. It'll overhang quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so. I think they just want to be able to get people playing more. The more people are playing, the more people will get invested in the the hobby. Um, unless you're a competitive painter, the hobby side of it can be a lonely endeavor. Like unless you're in a lot of social media groups where you can post your work in progress pictures and stuff, you're you're mostly at it alone. Whereas playings where you get to meet people and get down the club and get to to introduce yourself to other people that love the hobby just as much as you. And the more people can play, the more it's going to grow. So I welcome it. I'm really excited by it. I'm already making plans to do the majority of my pre-tournament practice mm. with games like this because the mechanics and the sort of semantics of the game are almost identical other than your kind of reinforcement style thing. It's still the same phases of the game. You've still got your hero movement, uh, shooting, charging, combat, battle shock phase. So you're still you're you're just going to get to go through the motions in a, a much quicker way, rather than taking thirty minutes to set up a two K yeah. game, and then your first two turns moving stuff take forever as well. And before you actually get to the nitty gritty and interacting with the nuance of combat and measuring out. Uh, so to deny charges and measuring out to shoot and um, being in range of objectives and stuff like that stuff is a very small part of a 2K game, whereas it'll, it'll, I believe these games are designed to be done within 45 minutes to an hour, wow. which is just awesome. 
so definitely so how would you see this i mean on first impressions the first thing i saw when i looked at it and it's for those people who haven't seen it your spearhead your main um force and your rear guard you have um uh you have options for how you you uh it's composed so you'll have zero to one leaders in your spearhead you'll have x amount of battle line x amount of others um the main part of the army is the part that has the the minimum um so you'll have one for battle line you'll have one for a leader so so you can choose how it's composed and when things are coming on now how would you see it working would you see if you were going to a tournament play for example um when you knew you were going to be playing uh, three or four games of this and then maybe on day two a couple of two thousand point games yeah how would you see it would you want the lists written out in advance so the spearhead the battle line and the reserve forces were established on paper from the beginning or would you just like to see the 2k list and then you can just spend that how you want and compose your um your meet and engagement force out of your your army pool yeah both are attractive but i think i would want to see the full chapter in the book before yeah. i made any sort of gut call because it might even tell you how it's done yeah um, i mean like to me I, not I like having the anything in your i like the sideboard as well sideboard i never got a chance to play with the sideboard it was something that had been done at tournaments when i was building up my first ever army and getting ready to go to my first tournament um for age of sigmar and i never played fantasy when sideboards were a thing either but i like the idea of a sideboard but i think the way that you described it of being able to adapt at the table yeah would make it more tactical Mm -hmm. in the sense that if you had to set it out, I believe that you would see everybody would have at least some battle line in their spearhead. Because if you get to go first and you've got nothing in your spearhead, then you've got no units on the table to try and take board position and yeah. try and score objectives and stuff. Whereas if you're playing against, say, an army that you know has the ability to get across the table really fast and fight you, you'd maybe not put anything in your spearhead to deny them that and put it into your main body but again we'd need to see how the book actually looks before we were to make a call and there's probably scope for events to do both of them as well but yeah i'm really excited by it yeah i think it's good and and it's going to be one of the first chapters i'm going to be reading for the first time rather than just looking at points and and battle plans i think uh, oh yeah it's quite exciting so no so we'll no doubt when we come um, after Cry Havoc and before Northern Invasion, we'll um, we'll likely do another episode where the General's Handbook will be released, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll go through it in more detail. So, so that's good. Okay, so uh, my little bit of news then. Um, so today, the draft pack for Northern Invasion has gone live. So there is Cry Havoc this weekend that um, the draw's been done. That's going ahead. So the next tournament event after that is his northern invasion um we did have a spare ticket but that's been snapped up so we're back up to 50 players um so that's good um so uh i suppose if i just thumb through the pack here um Mm -hmm. starting off um is the the big thanks to the sponsors this year and the support from various people so playmats.eu um they've been Uh, really kind again and i work closely with them and we've actually i've not opened the pack i'm I'm quite excited to but we've 
with collaboratively between ourselves and playmats um with northern invasion podcast and um playmats eu designed some some kit that's going to be uh going to be used at the event so that should be Ooh. good should be branded Exciting. up from both uh dark fantastic mills again big thanks to them um uh gary as uh again uh sponsoring the top table by providing terrain uh to go on a a special map from um playmats and the winner of the free player raffle is going to get to take home that terrain again so thank you very much gary um cromlech again are supporting the best painted warlord so the warlord is the general of each of the armies so there's an open uh competition for people to put forward their uh uh, the generals um then green stuff world have provided us with uh some some giveaways uh which will be f- part of the um the free raffle um cromlick have done that as well uh games and gears have given us some brush sets again um which i, I really like their brushes um so thanks to them that's going to be um prizes for the the best painted warlords and things as well um, we're going to have some price support from from our friends at uh, Scotland's premier uh, craft ale producer. Um, so so thanks to Brewdog. Thanks, um, Brewdog. Yeah, thank you. Uh, the Army Painter have given us some pretty phenomenal prizes for the Coolest Army Awards. Um, and we've even got the Golden Brush, which is... Uh, there were very few of them made, and they've, they've given one to us. And I think we've got the last one. Uh, they went oh, all over awesome. the world. They went all over the world. These they like fourteen karat gold brushes, and they went across to um, like the biggest events in various countries around the world. Um, and I think we might be the only one from the UK. I'm not sure if there's been another one in the UK, um, but if if there is, it's definitely in England, and it's not been up up in the north. So thanks to them. Um, the best sports is supported by um, Northern Invasion podcast, so thanks to us. <laughs> um, <the> and <laughs> and there is other stuff. Uh, Redgrass Games have given us a an everlasting palette and some uh, some add-ons and some some stuff for that. And I've got I've got a, a box of other stuff. So apologies to anybody else who's providing something if I've not if I've not um, got round to you. <laughs> Um, so the setting for the story is um, seen as though you've you've contributed to this because in year one, um, the North Isles in which Northern Invasions set um, are are positioned in the realm of Gairan. Um, and coincidentally, um, the first person to take out the tournament and win Skull Splitter's Axe, as it was at the time, was uh, Jamie Ferguson, who won it with Sylvaneth, which was quite fitting for the realm of Gairan. Um, then you came along, um, and you picked up a shield, and you won with Zinch. The defender of the realm. Yeah, and then last year, um, Mr. Um, Steve, Zinchy and Steve from... Uh, Mr. From, Sanderson. Mr. Sanderson from uh, from Newcastle Way came up and, and snatched it again with Zinch. So um, he took the helmet, and this year, um, fighting for the hammer, um, well... Zinch has got such a such a, a fierce hold on the uh, the North Isles that they're out of the realms and they've gone into his his re- his little corner of the realm of chaos. So that's that. So twice in a row, 
Uh, so we're going to see if anybody can can pull them out. There may be some skeeving trickery effort. Well, it's still of... chaos. It's still chaos. Uh, so yeah. So uh, basically, army compositions, uh, house rules. Um, there'll be ruse cards again. So we're not a hundred percent competitive. There is some narrative elements to Northern Invasion. It's always been that way, and it always will be. Um, so there'll be ruse cards that'll be given out that you can use at any point during day one. Um, those will be various versions of what we've had in the past we may get some patreon designed ones again this year like last year um hills are counted as scenery um and they'll always be subject to mysterious terrain we still do that because we don't have those realm of battle boards that have hills built in which i'm still convinced is why in aos hills were never counted as terrain because when GW released AOS, that was still the big thing, having hills as part of the battle board we were playing on. Yeah. And now that's phased out and people are using more modular hills and standalone hills. I still think that... that there isn't too be. many at Common Ground, to be no. honest. I think there's only two or three now. There's not a massive amount. Uh, line of sight, we have our own house rules on, so if people don't like that, they can lump it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the way that we work it is that... Um, it's yeah uh, we have an abstract obstacle um the width of the base to the top of the model because soldiers don't just stand still so unless missile troops can see over intervening units friends or foes or unless they can fly uh, there must be space in between bases to fire through so people can lock shield walls in effect and give cover to units behind them which i think is what about what about the marty reavers though what they're about? blind they can't see they can't so, see no they've not got eyes so oh, they like can they shit. shoot over because they can't see the unit in front anyway well if, it's, if it says on if it says on the wall scroll that you don't need line of sight to shoot like um like uh i don't know scrap launchers or um what's that that thing that the um the wind launchers on the the wind launchers that's it on the or storm, storm fiends yeah yeah, so they don't need line of sight, so they're fine. So there you go, just grab one well, of them. Surprisingly, it doesn't say that the blind archers don't need line of sight. Well, so there you go. Really, Games Workshop just uh, dropping the ball when it comes to that's it. Being you should give PC. them strongly worded letter. <laughs> I will. <laughs> so, uh, it, but if they can fly, uh, they can shoot over as well. Uh, only one champion per unit. Uh, banners and musicians can be selected as per the relevant unit's war scroll. That used to be a bit more strict, but we're kind of caught up with that nowadays. There are weather tables, which must be used for you to score any victory points in a game. Uh, so you determine the weather when you roll for terrain. That's always been a thing. We had it before there were Realmscape features, so we're sticking with it. Maybe need to police that. I think there's there's historically been a lot of... I will just uh, just ignore it. Or on their conscience, be it. They, on their conscience, uh, <laughs> on their conscience, be Start it. Dirty war gamers having consciences. Or... They will. They will have only won by deception and cheating. Should they take <laughs> points and knowingly not roll the weather dice, so they, they can. Might, they might tread on a Lego the next they, day. If well, they, if they don't, they should do hang it. their heads in shame. <laughs> and whenever they look at any trophies they pick up, they should feel guilt deep within them <laughs> okay so spells abilities weapon choices must be noted on the list and a fix for the event all pretty standard um now where we've changed things a little bit this year 
Um, I've put into the house rules, um, games of AOS should consist five battle rounds. If it's clear you'll not complete your full game in the allotted time, a measured and pragmatic discussion should take place, and any key roles should be made to determine who would most likely have been the winner had the full term been played. So, there you go. Well done, including that. Um, People should play nice, they should have fun, and try to sort out any disputes in a friendly and accommodating way. And if asked, the the TO's decision's final, and this includes where opponents can't decide who would have won if the match were to reach five full rounds. So whilst I don't want to be called in to have to make that decision, if people really can't agree it, I will. Um, I I don't think it's... There are are additional things at play at Northern Invasion. There's things like weather. There's uh, there's, um, Warlord's narratives and things. So... It's not an ultra-competitive environment. However, there are plenty of rankings points with it being Scotland's, currently Scotland's biggest tournament. So um, maybe some people will be um, taking it fairly seriously. So I will make a decision if I have to. I'd rather not. Um, But yeah, my decision's final if that's the case. Uh, And I'll probably just make people roll out one or two combats. I have extended the, the length of the games by 15 minutes. So... It's two hours forty-five per game as well. If it uh, becomes a, a recurring theme across <coughs> uh, somebody's games that they're not getting the full five turns in, and they're not able to come to an amicable decision or uh, an amicable conclusion with their opponent, like they need to just take a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly, what they're yeah. doing. It's like, just, you shouldn't it's be a having game. to get involved. I no, think it's... the feedback we've had from other people that have done this, like the Just Play guys, namely, it's only cropped up a number of, like a couple of times, a handful yeah. of times. And those events were even bigger than Northern Invasion. So yeah. really, I wouldn't expect it to come up more than once over the whole whole weekend. Yeah. If you can't get your game done, then you should. the writing should be on the wall. Yeah, I mean, people, hopefully people will take something they're comfortable playing. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit longer. Um, you should really be able to see how the game's going to play out after two hours and three quarters. Are we going to put the missions out Yeah, like immediately after? Like maybe even draw the missions before the lists and as soon as the list deadline's gone, just get it out there so that there's, what, two weeks for everybody yeah, to get familiar with Yeah, people are going to have two weeks. Yeah, they'll yeah. have just under two weeks because um, the... The list submissions are going to be the Sunday night, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll probably do the lists. One of those days at the latest. Uh, The realms. The only things that people need to get to grips with is slightly different army loadout due to points changes potentially, and any nuanced changes in the missions. And there's only going to be five of them. So yeah. So we'll we'll do it through a pools based system. So. People should explain. Once um, the final pack will come out next week after the General's Handbook comes out, well, so people will be able to look at the pools while they're writing the missions as well, uh, writing the lists as well, so that they can see the spread and what they're likely to face. Um, there'll be like one for heroes, one for insta win. Probably the last one on the first day will be the insta win early one, so that some people can go home and get the glad rags on before they go out for a bite to eat and dance. <laughs> Pending changes to the mission as well, I take it will probably bench better part of Valor if it isn't fixed. Uh, possibly. We'll see. Yeah. I'll have a look. See, I hope, have a look I, at it. I'm hoping it will be fixed. Come on, yeah. they didn't do anything in the FAQs. I'm hoping they were holding off for this new book. I'd imagine so. 
but yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, it is mandatory for people to provide a 50 to 500 word backstory for the force. So uh, people should be thinking about that now. It doesn't have to be over the top. And if people have any concerns or uh, questions about that, just give me a shout privately and I'll and I'll talk them through. Um, it's not something that should make anybody uncomfortable. Um, so if you don't want to do it and there's a reason and you just want to have a chat about it, just let me know. I'm not putting anybody on the spot. But it's supposed to be just a bit of fun. Even if you write cornflakes, cornflakes 50 times, just do that. <laughs> you know, it's mandatory to put it in. What you write is totally up to you. Um, but there you go. So let's see, where are we? The weather table's pretty much the same. I've toned down the wind slightly this year just because I think that shooting isn't the powerhouse it once was. No. And the weather tables, when I initially um, put them together, were there. It was before you couldn't shoot out of combat. And it was when people were just shooting off armies from a range. So it's been toned down slightly. So on a one or a two on the initial weather dice, uh, it's on the winds table. A three is the, the thick fog um, which obscures vision, so you only have 12 inches of visibility. Um, and then each hero phase, you roll a dice, uh, add in the battle round number, and on a seven plus, it lifts. The cold snap is the one where, for the first two turns, melee attacks are minus one. Torrential rain is all non-flying units are minus one to move, charge, and pile in. Uh, six is, there's no rules in play. And then the wind table itself um, instead of it reduce, uh, so on a one is a headwind. Um, instead of it reducing um, the movement characteristic of flying units and the range of missile attacks by fifty, we've reduced it by twenty five this time, twenty five percent. Crosswind. Are we getting the northern invasion calculators to help people work out twenty five percent of their ranges? No, they're just going to have to. They're just have to use have mental to arithmetic. Yeah, mental or arithmetic. Paper. Yeah, or paper. They could come pre-armed with that. You see. They should maybe have I'll, some maybe paper. I'll maybe I'll place it in the um I'll place it in the score sheet in the in, daily in the briefing at the start we can talk to them about how to work out a percentage as well yeah. maybe put it in the pack yeah in the final pack we'll discuss how to calculate twenty and then there is crosswinds um tailwinds and moments of calm so the weather's there as I say the timetable uh, we're up to two hours and forty five minutes per game um it's pretty spread out so. Uh, the first game's at 10 o'clock on both days. Um, there is donuts and stuff to get people started, and um, there will be other stuff. So my awards, let me see. Uh, I just overall... had a quick question, sorry, on yeah, the, the no, weather no, before no. we go on. So it says on, if you if you roll a one or a two at the start of the game, it says roll the wins table below at the start of each hero phase. Yeah. And then it says that the... Like a six is no effects for this phase. Yeah. I take it that means that turn. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, do you roll it in each of your hero phases or yeah. is it at the start of each turn you roll it and that's no. the effects for it? Right, okay. No, it's each each person at the start of their hero phase does it. Cool. Yeah. So I'll, I'll maybe... Liam's going to be time. awesome at that because all he <laughs> rolls is bloody sixes. No effects for me, no effects for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh. And then the other thing I forgot to mention, actually, in my rules, which didn't make it because I forgot it, was that um, draws, um, 
for you to take a minor win in those scenarios where it says um, it's a minor win for more kill points, um, you have to have scored more than uh, 200 points um, difference. If there's within 200 points, which is 10%, um, I'm going to be classing that as a draw. Um, So for the purpose of scoring, um, yeah, that's the way it's going to go. So awards and prizes, there's the overall tournament champion, which is the most tournament points. The best general in each alliance is victory points only. So that's based on how you've done as a general. It doesn't include your softer scores. Uh, Consummate commander is the highest net kill points. Lord of each realm. So the most victory points of armies from each realm. Uh, The spoon bearer, the last placed. Uh, The best army and the runners ups. Uh, First, second and third place best painted warlord. Uh, the best backstory will be immortalized by the bards. And then there's the four warlord narratives, which are the beast killer, the master assassin, master of magic, and blessed by Ranald, um, and a god amongst men. If anybody receives five favorite game votes, they get shit. Um, good shit. So, yeah. If I wanted but... to get five best game votes, then decided to buy a Skaven army. <laughs> I'll be a gentleman with it, but yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think people will be happy. It's I'll need to just like not cast the Vortex or something. Now, we do give some some uh, tournament points are on offer for favourite game votes. Now, that won't affect um, the best in each alliance. So if you want in the, to drink like a Northman and get the, um, the, the horn goblets, uh, are you doing them again they're awesome yeah so the best in each alliance will get a a horn goblet Um, now in terms of favorite game votes received um, there's up to 10 tournament points available there Um, so for one vote you get two points for two you get five and for three or more you get 10 Um, so that's your like as a bonus now if you win one of the warlords narratives it's an extra five tournament points for each of those um, they're quite difficult to get. In terms of winning games, uh, I did consider putting in secondaries, but I wanted to try and keep things as as um, as easy as possible for people to remember. And when you've it's got weather stable, in your book as well. Yeah, so I thought no. So in terms of victory points, there's five games and there's a hundred tournament points available from there. So you'll get twenty for a major, uh, fourteen for a minor, ten for a draw. There should be more draws, I think, if there's a two hundred point buffer. A minor loss will be six and a major loss will be zero. Um, and if uh, lists are submitted late or if they're changed, you'll lose 10 points. Uh, in terms of painting, if you're co- fully painted and coherently based, um, you'll get 10 points. So um, by fully painted, yeah, and it's not any more than that. And then if if people are tied... Uh, strength of schedules the first decider which we've always had so this will be the fourth year for that and then followed by favorite game votes and then the final tiebreaker is net kill points do you want to go over your fully painted because you've not you've not went into any great detail nor should i think you should no. have to but what just I've to break is, it down for everyone yeah i've said whilst it's not mandatory that all models are painted and cohesively based at the event it's strongly encouraged to ensure your opponents have the best experience possible to that end, having a fully painted and coherently based army will be awarded the extra 10 points. Furthermore, only painted and based armies are eligible to receive the best general in each alliance or the overall tournament champion awards. 
I then talk a little bit about non-GW models and counts as models are fine if they look like what they're intended to and themed for the army, um, but proxies aren't. So I don't mind if people convert things to be something, but you can't have something that's a counts as. So clan rats aren't storm vermin and yeah, a, a cabbage isn't a more crusher. Um, and all models. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a little winky face there. You can't quite see it. <laughs> uh, all models should be what you see is what you get in terms of weapon choices. I didn't really want to go too much into it because people know what fully painted means. They do. If somebody comes to me and says, well, I fully painted that and they've basically sprayed all over it with a primer, it won't get its 10 points. Yep. So um, people know. And again, if anybody's got any questions, come to me beforehand. Don't get surprised on the day. I'm doing that hashtag uh, concept. concept army but I'm under like there will be no question that it will not look unpainted yeah like you if you're going to do something like that and try and get it done quick then you need to not cut corners and no. do it right so like I'm going to the event this weekend yeah I could smash it out and get it done in time to be painted this weekend because it's a fairly quick process but it wouldn't look I don't think it would look good enough for me to be happy with it. And I think that there would be some people would question if it's fully painted. You need to take the time, put the effort in, and uh, make sure that you're not giving your opponent a negative experience. If you're going to take their army off, you might as well do it with pretty models. Theirs yeah. aren't going to be on the table very long. At least have yours looking nice so they've got something pretty to look at. <laughs> no, I mean, it's only fair. Yeah. People, go, people play the game because they get immersed by it. And, you know, it's... Yeah, it's it nice. doesn't even need it doesn't even need to look like a professionally painted model. Just for me, having conversations mid game about other people's hobby and their excitement for the hobby and stuff as well. Like even if it just looks as if you've put some effort into your army, it does the world a good. It yeah. Doesn't need to be amazing as long as you've put that effort in. Yeah, well that's good. Uh, so rushing on. Uh, the Greatest Backstory, the Immortalised by the Bards Award. So uh, this year, our backstories, we used to have it that event uh, actions during the game um, would be written down and I'd submit them to our guest bard. And it all got a bit much and I ended up having to take photographs and email things off. And one year we had technical malfunctions, so the day two stuff didn't get through. And anyway, we've decided this year that um, we, that's why it's mandatory for the backstories. So everybody puts a 50 to 500 word backstory in and the theme or style of their choosing. Um, it comes to us and we're, uh, Josh Reynolds this year is our guest bard. So thanks to him, he's going to read all the backstories and choose his favourites. Um, he has, a, I think he, I'm pretty sure he did, uh, agree to come on and do an episode where we talk through Ooh, them and why awesome. he likes them and for him to... Um, talk a little bit about AOS. I think he did. Well, that would be good if he does. <laughs> I plan on winning that this year with my backstory. <laughs> so it would be good to get to talk to him a little bit about mine. Yeah. My... Well, you are going up against a, a previously published Black Rat Library author. It doesn't matter. Mine's, <laughs> mine's is perfect. So mine's is uh, Take Rat, styled on Take oh, That. So I've got Gary, Howard, Mark, Jason oh. and Robbie. So Robbie's my Vermin King. And uh, obviously nobody knows who Jason is, so he's my grey seer. And then the other two, three members of Take That are the, the other three vermin lords, oh, and it's all their escapades. Oh, okay, well, I'll look forward to reading that. Very fluffy. 
furry. So the warlord's narratives. So we include and we encourage a narrative style of play, and we want to recognise those warlords that are the best at what they do. So this year, there's four warlords narratives, each of which is worth five tournament points. In the event of a tie, each of the warlords receive the tournament points, but only one award will be presented. So there'll be a tie-break situation, and whilst they both get the tournament points. Um, uh, it's money can't buy can't buy mugs again. So this is your northern invasion, right. hotly sought after mugs. I think you've got a couple of the older ones. I've got uh, two of them, yeah. But yeah, they they get better every year. So, um, but I don't know if you'll be eligible because only generals that are non-unique and are not behemoths are eligible to take part in the Warlords narrative. Well, I did consider changing, like making my army worse by <laughs> making the Gracier the general. Well, I think you should. Because he can cast two spells. So Do that spellcaster one, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, you know, and maybe if you the one, so the, the four that there are, the beast killer. Now, because it can't be a behemoth and it can't be a unique character, I don't think that there's going to be many, many characters that are going to kill behemoths. No. <laughs> but this is going to be awarded to the warlord that personally kills the most behemoths during the course of the weekend. Uh, the master assassin is awarded to the warlord that personally inflicts the most wounds during the combat or shooting phases. Uh, master of magic is the successfully casting the most spells. And blessed by Ranald is the awarded to the warlord who suffers the least wounds throughout the event. And just uh, to clarify, because it gets asked all the time, Wounds that you heal back are still considered wounds taken. So, um, yeah, anything that you regenerate, it's still being considered. So, no, you're not on a zero. The Badge of Shame. So the lists are going to be submitted on the 30th of June. They're then going to be sent off to be assessed for filth content by an independent adjudicator this year. It'll be Dan from AOS Shorts again, so thanks to him. Um, the force deemed to be the most tuned and powerful will earn its owner the badge of shame, which they must wear throughout the event. Um, so last year it was Kev with his mixed order filth. Um, there was yeah, before that it was Paul Whitehead. Paul won it two years on the bounce. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. So um, that's that. Um, without that, though, without evil, there can be no good. So Clint from Heralds of War is going to assess the list as well. And he's going to choose the, the his favourite themed list to identify our best man for 2019. And then both Dan and uh, Clint have agreed to come on and do a, a list a list rundown with me, um, which we'll probably release on the day of the event, um, because we don't like uh, people to know that they're in for the badge of shame until the last minute. It's quite nice to <laughs> on the to drive to the event. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. We'll we'll maybe release it after that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll wait until it's been awarded. Then I'll press. Are you publish. still? Are you doing soap for the badge of shame's opponents? Well, Hartney soap has closed down. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so there'll have to be something different. Just bring some Dove. Yeah, some we'll see. Hand sanitizer. To, I might have to bring some ales to. Yeah. So them to drown the sorrows instead. Is we'll there a bar this weekend? Uh, I wasn't there last year. so There was last year, but I'm not sure about this year. Last year there was because there was um, leftover stock from, from Six, Six Nations. Nations. Yeah. Um, so we've not confirmed. Uh, but we'll see. I'll have I a might chat. try and get a lift if there is. Yeah. <laughs> that should be good. 
Uh, so aside from that, the only other the only other FAQ we've got in there is that um, uh, the rules for woods and wild woods, fences, walls, and buildings that can be garrisoned will be used. Um, and then things that are like arcane ruins, temples of skulls and things that have their own um, war scrolls. If people say when they meet across the table, yeah, let's use the Mount Templar skulls or the Lair of the Astromancer or whatever it might be. If they both agree, fine. If they don't both agree, just roll it. Roll it off and have yeah. it as mysterious because sometimes it's some of them are a bit a bit out of there. And if it gives somebody advantage, it's probably best to just roll it. But my other thing is that all woods, even just those flocked MDF things with little plastic trees, are going to be treated the same way as citadel woods for line of sight blocking. Um, and for the avoidance of doubt, trees can be moved freely around the base of any woods if they've not been glued down. So. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm not, I've been playing Sylvan F for ages, so ignore the holes, move mm. the trees, do what you want. Um, but if it goes within an, an inch, if if from centre of base to centre of base, it crosses an inch of um, a wood, um, well, from closest point to closest point, I'm not having all that where you're in base to base, but yeah, um, then at that point, um, you don't have line of sight, so... So try and not get drawn onto a table with woods if you've got any shooting in your army. Yeah, I mean, they're quite small, the woods, to be honest. In they are. There's a few Citadel ones, but the ones that are non-Citadel, they are pretty small. They're like CD-sized, so yeah. you can use it to hide a, a squishy character, maybe. Which... You can hide a big character as well. You just uh, place the centre of the model mm. on it. Yeah. So that's that. That's, uh, that is the pack for um the northern invasion so it's the draft um it'll be finalized after general's handbook um once i know what the uh, battle plans are so i can put the pools together um any more faqs that come in or or infrequently asked questions that come in i'll also include um but yeah that is my news so there you go we sold out but um there's nobody left on the waiting list because we do get a little bit of churn at this time um, as things get closer. So if anybody is interested in coming, um, you can always put yourself down as a as a reserve. And if we have a dropout in the next uh, the next four weeks, because we only give um, uh, we only give oh my cry oh it's the eleventh, isn't it? We give uh, refunds till the thirteenth, I think it is. So after that, people will be trying to peddle the tickets independently but i can put people in touch with people um so that they can uh if if somebody's on a reserve list and and somebody needs for any reason to drop out um there you go we do have a spare player as well so we've got 50 plus a spare um there you go so on to the main section which is the six nations do we have our captain yep i believe he is ready if, Should I uh, add him to the call? Check if he's online. Yeah. Uh, on, let's see if I can do this. Uh, oh, there he is. There's a plus. There's a plus. This is like the last one where I just did it around like an absolute monkey. Let's see. Where are you? What's it? <laughs> My call. There he is. Yes. Oh, oh, no, no, not you. Oh, shit. I pressed the wrong person. I'm not even drunk. There he is. Oh, there we go. I've tried to add him. 
Oh, oh no, me. I've added, I've added, I've added Eric. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not. There you go. Add to call. Add. It says he's getting dialed just now. Yeah. We'll see if he's ready. Yes. And then we'll uh, we'll, we'll two talk. ticks. He says. Oh, cool. So anyway, well, we can talk about it. So, um, Six Nations was uh, how long ago was it? Now is it a week and a bit ago? A week uh, ago? Well, it wasn't the weekend just passed. It was the weekend before. So yeah, just over a week ago. Yeah. So Mike was our captain, and you were the vice captain, and I was the um, tree monkey, uh, <laughs> and we. Uh, we we headed off in in high spirits um, in in various cars and we all met up in planes. We we we, we drove around aimlessly for a while whilst Liam <laughs> showed us how technology doesn't work. Uh, and then we we finally got to yours. We a few people flew down. Um, one person drove from Birmingham way, uh, JP. Uh, but the rest of us came in two cars. We we kept switching people out in the services and. Um, working on our, our rag ratings, our red amber greens, and then uh, we 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 arrived in in sunny Lincoln and um, Lincoln. Do you not mean Cardiff? It wasn't Lincoln, was it? Let's, no, let's Lincoln was a week or two before. <laughs> yeah, I was still I was still hungover from that. Uh, so no, we got there into Cardiff, and Cardiff was a really nice place. I've never oh, been to was, Cardiff. It was stunning. I've never been to Wales. It was my first time down there. So yeah, oh. it was good. It was a really nice place, and um, the venue was, was really nice as well. It was. It's a a really good uh, a really good uh, shop, and it had loads of gaming tables, and it had a really well stocked shop. It was like um, mm-hmm. Element Games or something. It was, it was one of those shops where you can you can spend a lot of money if you're not careful. Oh yes. Um, but no, it's great facilities. They even had like a, a media corner where they had it all set up so that they could stream things and stuff. So yeah. it was nice to see. And the guys that worked there and owned it were... Oh, oh there we are. Here's, here's Mr. Callahan. <laughs> so we're just talking about the venue down in um, in Cardiff. So I was oh, talking shangle. about... Oh, it was a nice <laughs> place. Uh, and, and they had a, they had a, a bar on site and it was only £2.60 a pint. And it was drank dry by the end of Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Night. Yeah, it was. It wasn't even the end of Saturday. It was like game. It was an hour and a bit left. Yeah, yeah. So that was okay, and we all went on to fruity cider. I think I was drinking strawberry cider, which well, I was drinking cider, cider, <laughs> apple cider on the Sunday. But yeah, it was a. It was a nice. Yeah, they had bottled beer left. So that was. I was on the Doom Bar. Ah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, they had bottles. Yeah. yeah. That's for that's for the, the, the special people that drink bottles. So we just uh that's it. We've just introduced it, we've set the scene, we've got down there, we like Cardiff, it's a good venue. We've, we've, we've had we've, no sleep. We've had no sleep. Well we've not got that far yet. <laughs> we decided yeah. to go out on Friday night and intimidate the English team. <laughs> oh and yeah. Oh, ended crap. up in a club there was that. a few dance offs. Uh, was. Stu managed to get Darren Watson to buy a photograph. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what was that? A fridge magnet or something that. or a keyring? Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got him to buy a keyring of a photograph of the Scottish team. We, uh, we, 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 told, we told John to go and get them hammered. Yeah, so like half of us ducked out and we just left the hardcore of the team 
to try and keep them out all night. Who was it I think who stayed out failed. with me? It was it, you, was John, it... and Paul. I think. You, John, and Paul. And JP. Well, JP ducked out quite early, though, didn't he? No, no, he stayed out to Did the he? death, right okay. to the end with us, yeah. Yeah, I bet he regretted. He, he got us home. Yeah. And then there was a couple of people that snore a little bit. It seemed to be the case. Luckily, well, our room had it as well, but well, I don't yeah. think we had it quite as bad as the other room. I actually oh, no. had a flashback. Did you tell me to roll onto my side a couple of times when I was sleeping? No, it was John, apparently. <laughs> was it John? I, yeah, I'd, I'd gone to the, I'd gone, I was considering at the time sleeping on the bathroom floor. Oh and God. apparently John John had been thinking it were me. And then when I went into the bathroom, he realised it wasn't me and started hitting you with his pillow, telling you to lie on your side, for God's sake. I think <laughs> Liam I th- was quite bad. Liam was the worst. As well. Oh, yeah. man. And Liam was about two feet from my head, directly above me. <laughs> and it was, it was aggressive snoring. It was like, a, I don't know, if you've heard an angry bull elephant, um, it was like that. <laughs> Well, we had two of them in our room, and they took it in turns to be... I think <laughs> JP was, like, hitting John, thinking it was John snoring, <laughs> yeah. but it was actually Paul, and, uh... This was, like, yeah. three in the morning, like, everyone was... Well, they, we were... JP was bouncing up and down on the bed above me. I was like, what the fuck is he doing? And it turns <laughs> yeah. out he was getting changed to so go to sleep in his car, because he just couldn't put up with it anymore. Yeah, he yeah. went to sleep in his car, yeah. So night one... Poor JP went and slept in his car. I think the, the, we... the, best was, the best was in the morning when Paul was Paul was poking the underside of, of John's mattress to get him to stop snoring. I'm like, you've got a fucking cheek, mate. Honestly. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we got into three. Gone three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was two. So it, was got two. In... it was two, actually. It was quarter to two. I remember you guys... Oh, that's not bad then. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. But then, I but Lee in particular did not get much sleep that night. And, no. Well, suffered the most. Not, he's not quite as useful as JP, so... Yeah. I only yeah, got what for. We were very tired on Saturday morning, weren't we? Yeah. Is somebody we knocking? Is, is somebody a hobbying? Mike yeah. is hobbying. Mike, yeah. are you hobbying? Yeah, I've got my groove back. You'll have to, you'll have to hobby quiet. No. I've not even picked up a bloody brush since I've been back. Don't tell I've... me how to hobby. I don't tell you how to hobby. <laughs> I'm just not hobbying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go pick some more wild woods. I've not even bought an. Oh, I'll tell you, I'm not fainting another bloody Wildwood as long as I live. I've had enough. <laughs> Anybody want to buy a Sylvan F Army? There you go. Adequately painted with a shed load of old Wildwoods. Um, no, uh, I've added, I'm done with Sylvan F. Uh, but as far as the uh, the event went and the games went, um, it, it was a really good atmosphere. And uh, I was very proud of us all. I think that we did we did good. Yeah, we even won a prize. Um... I've got the prize. <laughs> Are we just skipping to the end here? Is that what, is that what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing in between matters. Just the edited highlights. Right, no, cool. I mean, to be fair, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to go through it all, but I was really, really impressed, me, because I, I did, I, I had better results than I've ever had in my life. I remember at the end at the end of day one, I'd had more wins than I've had in the previous two Six Nations combined. <laughs> so, so things were going well for me. You took a good uh, army for once. Well, it was it, it did a job, didn't it? And we yeah. knew what it was going to do. Um, and to be honest, uh, it did it well. So yeah, it was a. Um, I think I've got my little book here. Um, so do you? I mean, do you just want to talk through how pairings and things works for? For those people that don't know, while I dig out my book and 
because you two were the the men who led on the pairing side of things, weren't you? And so we'd all we'd all done our red amber greens, and we'd uh, um, we'd kind of looked at what people's lists were, um, tried to work out what it was, and then we'd either thought green. Well, the way I did it was well, let's let's walk it let's walk it back a little bit because it's yeah, a bit more so. As it was this year, um, it wasn't just as because we knew the battle plans we were going to be fighting against each country. So we knew what lists we were going to be playing uh, uh, in each battle plan. So we got everyone to rate uh, how they felt about each realm rule and uh, kind of generally how they felt about battle plans. And then we did red, green, uh, what's the other one? <laughs> yellow. Red, green, uh, uh, red, green, yellow for um, the lists. Uh, from each country in the battle plans we play, so we've got all our all our team to do the um, to rate the matchups: green, yellow, and red. So if you're playing uh, Flesh Eater Courts in Battle for the Pass, is a uh, a green matchup for you, a yellow matchup for you, or a red matchup for you? Uh, and that's what we did across the board. Um, so we got everyone to, to do that, and uh, we went round and round a couple of times. Uh, spoiler, maybe not as much as we should have or could have, um, uh, but that was the kind of data we 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 gathered to get to the matchup process uh, based on the lists we brought as well. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think, and we did put a bit of time in as well on the way down and uh, to talk about where we didn't quite understand certain armies how they worked if there was something to look out for yeah i think one of the things we might have been guilty of is focusing so heavily on england because but but that's to be expected because they were first they were game yeah. one um we knew what they were they were the biggest threat and and i personally certainly uh, put a lot more effort into prepping for them um and it, it and it did well because i mean we took more points off them than anybody else so i think that well, I mean, uh, we did. I mean, really well. that might be true to a certain point. But I remember in the car on the way down, I was talking to you and Lee about your choices across the board for all the countries. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't just England. I mean, um, I, I think a lot of people may have looked at England because that's who we were playing first. So that obviously, there's a lot of pressure on that game for us in terms of how we want to perform and not let ourselves down. Yeah. Also, um, our matchups were purely like, well, maybe not purely. The majority of the matchup pairings that we did were all based on theory. There was very few of it was actually, well, let's get the list out on the table. Let's practice against it. Let's see, like put put our, our theory into practice and see if it's true or not. Like I held off on some of my Feck and Fire Slayers matchups until I'd had practice games against them before we went. But I don't think that was the case with, uh, with everybody's matchups. And why I wanted to focus more on England was that was the first opportunity we would have to test our data. And we just didn't have the time to adjust between rounds because, like, I think, how long did we have between round one and round two? I just remember being absolutely shattered. Well, there was lunch, wasn't it? So um... Yeah, like, we didn't really have, like, I think my game was finished quite early, but some people's games were going right up until the wire. It was a mm-hmm. close round. We had our lunch, then we were straight into round two. So we then and, and I think everyone's lunch, everyone's lunch was staggered as well, so we weren't all yeah. getting lunch at the same time. So that was, um, from that point of view, you, you weren't necessarily sitting down as a team all together yeah. for lunch you, i mean you were in bits and pieces but maybe not the whole thing to kind of um but it's difficult at that point because so so we got all this data and the matchup process so we used that in the matchup process to try and get the best matchups we could and in terms of how we used the data we actually did 
quite well, I think. Um, the only, uh, especially the only round we kind of came out negatively against had more reds than more greens was the last round against Ireland. Yeah, which, but that was a particularly difficult matchup for us in terms of the lists and the and the battle plans we got. Mm. Um, we had relocation orb, which is really pivotable on who gets to go first or second because you score one or three points. You see, and I, I, almost yeah. all of their armies outdropped us. <laughs> like yeah, they had I wanted to make this drops. as a point and not as an excuse because I mean I'm the first to hold my hands up when I've not done something right, and and I'll, I can talk about what I know I didn't do right. Um, but one thing I think was that each round, the 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 missions were very different, and depending on which nation you were against, it was really important because um, if we'd have got Ireland in any one of those other rounds, I think we'd have done a lot better against yes. those. Yes, like I think. Can hold I think round yeah, I think overall we. Uh, I don't think we had very much luck at the draw at all. I think uh, we played England first, Northern Ireland second, and Swedish Sweden third. So we played the three toughest, as a, and they finished first, second, and third. Um, and we knew they were going to be tough, so we had the toughest ones straight off the bat. Uh, and then, even looking at the battle plans we were playing each country, we didn't get a great shake on how that looked either. So I remember looking. At, I remember getting to the when I was in the matchup spreadsheet and getting to that island matchup and just laughing because I was like, "That's it." I'm struggling to think of worse missions we could be playing against them. Yeah, um, was, shifting objectives was in there as well, wasn't it? Around was uh, so it four? was relocational, uh, uh, places of arcane power, total commitment, and border war. Was it border war again? Maybe? Border war again. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think shifting objectives was round uh, four. So anyway, so we did the matchup process based on that data, and I think um, there was some of them. I think one, I think it was against Sweden or something. We had or Wales. We had so much red on our matchup grid, and we came out ahead again. Like so, we managed to come out really well. I'm really pleased. I don't know what you think, Nathan, but how the actual matchup process itself went. I thought we 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 made one big mistake. One mistake. We? Yeah, that yeah. was my, that my mistake. Everything, everything yeah. else was fine. Like we were actually impressed with how we matched on the data. Yeah. Um, I think the more that we've looked back on it, it might be to do with either preparation going into the event was... Like, it wasn't like we didn't prep. I just think no. that our efforts were maybe misplaced. Um, it's just I, I, think, I think there's thing. a couple of things. I think, so, uh, I, think I, was, I think we were really focused making sure we, we didn't mess up that matchup process, and I think we, we, we managed to do that, uh, apart mm. from me making the mistake on, against Sweden. So we were having a big conversation about who to match up with someone. We had one card left in our hand, and we had the card face down on the table on my hand, and, and I think due to tiredness on my own part, we got confused about which card we had in our hand i didn't actually look at it we just assumed and we made a mistake yeah we uh, ended up with john in an unwinnable yeah. matchup uh where we could have had him and me in really good ones yes we, we that was around we won as well um, um, we would have um, we would have won I, it by a country mile i think i imagine we would have won better if we hadn't yeah if i had if that was my mistake ultimately um and that was just due to fatigue i think that was the last kind of well it was last game day one when we'd yeah. had two or three hours sleep <laughs> but, <laughs> but it happens it happens yeah it was like um, 40 degrees in that building as well. Yeah, it was, it was warm. Um, so I think the I think the kind of... And I think all around were pretty hard fought, especially the English one. We were straight off the bat, so we, we played England first. They got four majors. We got three majors and a minor, so we ran them really close. They ran away with the secondary games. So that's the conversation uh, thing to touch on later on. Yeah. But, um, 
so that was really heartening from the beginning and that kind of I thought that meant okay we're in this now we've, we're being competitive um, and we were just things for whatever reason didn't quite shake our weight whether that is to do whether the lists weren't quite right whether player performance wasn't quite right um, I know Lee was definitely not his best I think he'd say that himself I think that was a lot to do with the fact he was knackered <laughs> yeah. unfortunately um, uh so I think somewhere between the data not being right we got for the matchups and player performance uh, and maybe uh, luck maybe not going quite our way in some, some, some occasions, I think that's kind of where we fell apart a little bit. Well, we didn't fall apart, but that's just where we, we let ourselves down a little bit. Yeah, you've got to have a combination of everything, really, don't you? Like, even if you look at it from a singles point of view, you can play amazing all weekend, but if you don't get the luck when you need it, you're not going to get the results that you need. I'm not sure you had any luck in particular. Uh, well, day two and towards the end of uh, day one, it wasn't so bad. But my first two games were, well, my first game was against uh, Laurie's Dock. In are, we being a bit too scatter- are we being a bit too scattered or how we do this, by the way? Yeah, I think let's, let's just go through the... I, I don't even know if we should even touch on who we played and when we played because it's almost not as important anymore. Um, but if, to touch on some of the bad luck we had some really bad bad luck in round one so the one I had was lost the deployment roll off lost turn two priority and turn three priority when I was playing arguably the best army list in the game in a realm that wasn't great for me one of those I, I, I felt as if I was playing so well that if I'd won one of any one of those priority roll offs I could have taken a win in that game like I, I feel as if i orchestrated everything as well as i could given the fact that i was losing priorities and, and we then would have won that we would have won that round with just that one game i think and laurie himself admitted the same thing that if he'd won that priority that would have been the game but yeah it wasn't it wasn't clear on the round three one and round two is a little bit early to make a call but with hindsight looking at how the the turns panned out any one of those probably could have got me a win or at least dragged the game out a lot closer and then Lee Martin versus Richie lost a priority roll to a double one. He so lost, Richie so he lost, lost two. One. He lost two he to lost one, two, from yeah. one to a two. One to a two, yeah. yeah. So like some incredibly bad luck. He could have got priority if he had rolled a two for the first two turns or a three in the, the third turn, yeah. which might have not made it a win. It was a really hard list that he not really had any experience playing against with Fire Slayers being so new. No, but, I think he, he made he made a tactical mistake in that one. Yeah. But there was a there was quite a lot of that in the first couple of rounds. Uh, the second the second round, I I got busted. Admittedly, I was playing I think one of the few reds that I had, but it helped us. We thought with our other matchups. Well, and the, Legion, the, the Legion of Bloodless, which you played yourself as well, so you knew yeah, and I, I knew how it worked. And uh, I failed a six-inch charge. Whoa! Then, right, stop noise. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not me. It wasn't me. You can't prove anything. Fake news. <laughs> yeah, so, it's, uh, hobby. it's hobby he's just trashing his room I know he's just <laughs> ripping up all his data that he collected on the way up the road uh, but yeah failed the story of it is over two turns failed three six inch charges with a reroll which is apparently according to JP one in eight thousand of a chance to happen like uh, there was quite a lot of bad luck at the start of the weekend Yes, it seemed, I mean, it seemed to be like uh, just little things that can kind of make or break a round. 
Um, I mean, if you look, you know, I would say if you look at your bad luck, that also suggests there's something else going on as well uh, in terms of performance. But um, uh, but at the same time, it did seem like we were getting more bad luck than we deserved, but um, which was a little bit hard to take in time, especially when you think a lot. You think you kind of you think you earn a break when you play that well against England, and to not quite get it was a bit gutting. Yeah. Um, but you know, you make your own luck as well, as I say. It was a bit disheartening for, for me at the start of the weekend. Um, but I believe the team were, for the most part, in really good good spirits. And from what I could observe, everybody was was playing well, despite the fact that they were obviously tired. And uh, no, we, I mean, we had a very good team spirit. Um, yeah. Apart from at three in the morning when people were being told to roll over and shut up and stop scoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, the team spirit was great and... Uh, we did keep ourselves buoyed up, even though I think you could see people were getting disheartened. And I think it did the team the world of good to beat Sweden in the last game okay. Saturday. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, not as maybe not as well as we could have done due to the, the matchup mistake. But uh, it set us off on the Saturday night to go and have a nice, nice team bonding session. Everyone was everyone was in good spirits, looking forward to the next day. So that was really nice. Um, Had some nice pizza, some cold yeah. beers. Yeah. I, I think in term, term, terms of the team, it's the closest that the team's been. For, I mean, I, that's my third one. And I think that that's the, you know, the, the team spirit and how we got on. I think it's the best it's been. And I think well, that it was really good how we all stayed. I know that there was a problem with us. Maybe we wouldn't share uh, a five and a four in rooms. And a couple no. of people have said, we, you know, I'd, I'd have a single or a a twin with somebody who doesn't snore. And maybe that was one mistake in terms that of... That is, but I think at the same advice. time, that added to the team spirit as well, to a degree. I think it did. I think yeah. it did. And I think we were all on that together. Breakfast <laughs> together and food together. And, and I think walking backwards and forwards from the venue together and stuff, I, I think it really worked well. That, as that, all that, that, that was my priority going into this tournament, I think, because last year we'd been in Scotland and we hadn't we hadn't created the same atmosphere as you would do if you go away. Um I don't think it's through anyone's fault in particular, just the way it panned out. Maybe just you don't think about it as much when you're playing in the same place we always play because we're, we're all going to common ground, so we all play there all the time. It's different when you go away. And we, just, I think me and Nathan had talked about uh, making sure we cultivated that team spirit and whatever we did on the Friday night and Saturday night, we did it together, make sure we were just a team. And that was the priority. I think we achieved that. So I'm, I'm proud of that point of view anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think it was... It was one of the the most fun, um, and you know it was just really really nice to be hanging around with the guys and everybody got on and yeah I think the atmosphere was great so so thanks to everybody for for being so good. That was a pleasure. It was an awesome weekend. It was great to spend time with everyone. So um, mm-hmm. do it again in a heartbeat. I was re- I was ready to do it again the following weekend. <laughs> yeah, and and I really enjoyed it, and I would go again. I mean, holding my hands up, we touched a little there on secondaries. And I think this is one of the things where I let myself down a bit in terms of list selection. And I obviously pushed for a list that I'd been comfortable playing from um, singles. And it's something I I was, I didn't have to think too much about playing because I've been playing it for six months. Um, But in hindsight now, now I, I went through it. One of the biggest problems for me was that for me to give up a thousand points, all I had to lose was Durthu, my sides, and one of my big units of dryads. And I did that happened in every single game. So in every single game I lost my thousand points right off the bat, which 
maybe I would have looked at my army composition a little bit different had I had I really thought about it. Um, so I, I don't think that my I'd, I'd optimized my list first of all for that. I think just building a list that that can keep a thousand points safe, and also I I don't think. I think only in one of the games did I take more than a thousand points. Um, so, so that that that's one of my issues. The other one was I don't think I prepped anywhere near enough in terms of familiarising myself with those secondaries, um, and it seemed to me um, that I was just learning them for the first time as I thumbed through them before every game. And there's no excuse for that. I should have just put more effort in, and I I apologise to the rest of the team for that because. I was particularly bad at picking up those secondaries. Um, I got three three majors, but I never scored more than seventeen points. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, it was a good pack, and I think it worked well. But I think I underestimated it, and I just went with an army that I thought I could win with, rather than one that. Was yeah, I, I, th- I think secondaries are a weird one to a certain extent because Nathan practiced on them more than anyone else did. Oh, I just you... want to comment on the practice I had. So I had a lot of practice with them, but the caveat being my opponents weren't using them. Right. So I never really had the practice of denying. I had the practice of, yeah, I can achieve mine. And that would be a thing that I would be doing in my games. But because the people that I got to practice with quite often weren't in the Six Nations team or were practicing for events that weren't using them, I didn't have the practice of achieving mines while denying my opponents. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think... Well, I've, I've got a controversial opinion. I, I don't think it's that hard. Um, <laughs> I did. I, I had two games playing secondary beforehand, and I had looked at the major. I knew what, what they were, and I think I don't. I personally didn't find it particularly difficult to work out what I was doing with them in the game. Um, I, I I don't think you need to practice them to death to get the hang of it. I think uh, I certainly didn't anyway. I mean, I did. I, I think I got. I scored seven out of ten of my secondaries and denied six out of ten, and I hadn't really thought about I hadn't really thought about them how it affect my list at all, and I was actually surprised how well Your list my list kind of them. played into quite a lot of them. Like mm-hmm. if you think about two thirds, like killing two thirds of your opponent's yeah, army, yeah. you've got shooting that can do it across five turns well, fairly was, that, easily. That was, denying two thirds is quite a good one, one for you. That was one of the ones I didn't manage. Was but actually both of those I didn't manage because that was against uh, the Irish lad in, uh, when I played Feck in the last right. one. When my dice um, decided to just really go, no, no, not today. Not the battle today. line ones were really hard. Like my list was not designed for them. Um, in hindsight, if I'd taken like a more traditional high drop deepkin list with some morials or something, it might have been a bit easier. But with my battle line being so fragile, um, yeah, and my heroes not being able to fight as well because you've just got support heroes like the Tidecaster and the Soul Scryer and stuff. Like I, I wasn't, there was quite a lot of them are really hard for me to to get. So yeah, I think uh, my list wasn't wasn't great at achieving them while denying them. But I I also think that uh, I mean again JP had a quick look at it and he's like, well, obviously the more you win, the more secondaries you score. Yeah, that's the data. I mean so that's. I enjoyed playing with them, uh, but and there are, you can obviously tactically play to get more when you lose. But I think generally you, you score more when you when you win. Uh, maybe that's just through like people's lack of practice, and if people were more comfortable using them, that wouldn't be the case as much. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe you're right. My list, was very, my list was good in terms of being able to hop characters off the back edge, being able to shoot off the kind of most expensive stuff. My battle lines had to kill. You've got deploying um, this guy for your full army. I played Total Commitment twice. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah, those are the two games I lost. Uh, well, I think I think we've learned a lot, and I think obviously it didn't go the way we wanted, but there's a lot to be proud of, and I don't think that we we embarrassed ourselves in any way. I think that if somebody looks at the at the results, and especially people who were there, um, just how many things were lost due to the unlucky roll and not getting the rub of the green, I think yeah, people accepted the, the, that. Unfortunately, the table doesn't show that; it just shows us last, and that's the um. Yeah, well, that's that's the, that's the, I mean, that's yeah. the thing that really hurt is that you look at. I mean, obviously, someone's going to go last. Someone's going to come last, and whether it's someone not getting the rug of the green or someone not quite doing as well as we could have done on certain aspects, maybe whatever is piled up. Um, I I think if we played the same weekend again, I don't think we'd finish last. No, no. I just um, that's my personal opinion. Uh, that's not to say there aren't things we could do better. And I, I think, think there it are was... things we can do better. Um, I think uh, I think next year we could do um, the maybe the lists weren't quite as optimized as they could be. Maybe the balance was a little bit off um, on some things. And uh, was it? There was a lot of uh, people I spoke to at the weekend that made the comment quite openly that they took what they were playing with because they were told to take it, and we had a very open, hands-off approach where. We talked quite a lot about the lists that we were submitting, but mm. there was no like we we didn't we decided to not no, control people's lists because no, I, I, yeah that was, I I decided not to force anyone too much. In retrospect, I maybe wouldn't do that again, but it was my first time as captain, and at the same yeah. time, I was conscious that as well as playing the country, people are spending their money to come and to do this. It's their fun as well. I'm not going to force people, and you can't force people to play anything. Um, and well, we can, certain, and we will next year. <laughs> to, to, to a certain degree, I was um, happy to let people's own skill and knowledge come into play as well. Um, and I think maybe that was the wrong choice, ultimately. And I think next year, uh, whoever's doing it, I'd suggest that there's a much firmer hand on the lists. Because um, I think that's an aspect we could have improved on. I don't think our lists were, were particularly bad. I think there's things... Uh, I just think they could have been a little bit more optimized in places, and maybe we could. Did, the ones that did better all weekend were the ones that had a clear job, or were probably a little bit overpowered, or the other team didn't really know what it did that well to be able to parent it. The ones that were just more standard, like the Lee's Dock list, Madipkin list, um, like the the KO and stuff like that. Everybody knows how to parent it. They all know what they do. There was no real. We don't know what that does. Whereas the ones that we had a clear job for, like Stu's, like we knew what we were doing with Stu's army and he did probably best or second best. We JP knows what he's doing and it's an OP army. John Bayless is playing Skaven. Unfortunately, um, so having looked at we kinda I kinda looked at the kind of path. So what you expect from I looked at everyone's what everyone's colours they played over the weekend, whether they played greens or yellows or reds. Uh, and only two of us actually finished on par or above par in terms of so it was third saying that a green should be at 17 points a 10 should be uh a yellow should be 10 points a red should be three points so um 
so even even the, I think even the ones someone who did better still weren't quite hitting what we need them to. We just generally weren't converting enough of our yellows, and, and so whether those yellows were wrong in terms of the thing, or whether we the, the player performance was a little bit off, or the luck was a little bit off, whatever it was, it was um, even the things we got right a little bit right, we didn't quite get them right enough. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think I think we took a lot away from it anyway, and um, and I think that everybody failure everybody, is the best teacher. Well, I think everybody who was involved this year that goes on to be involved next year will redouble their efforts and will certainly be be playing to um, hand back the potato peeler. Um, so, so I, th- I think a lot's been learned, and and any lessons a valuable lesson. Well, so. I I've I've asked that we do a little internal review of what we did just so we can gather a knowledge base to pass on for next year and following years. I think that's, I think it's something that that should be done as standard going forward. Just review everything that was done, what we did well, what we didn't do well, just so whoever's in charge next year can take that on board and react accordingly. And that should happen year on year. So we just keep, so we don't lose the knowledge and don't lose the, um, the learning. Yeah. So, do we know where where next year's is and when yet, or when will we find out where? Uh, so the bid, so the um, the bid process is open until the end of June. So I think we should we should find out the end of June, early July. I know that I'm fairly sure that Northern Ireland are going to bid. Uh, as far as I know, Sweden I don't think are this year. Uh, no, it seems as if they might be missing this year based on work commitments yes yeah. i don't think and, and i don't think the republic are quite ready to bid yet from what i can gather so so i think the of, of the people so the rules are that the those who haven't haven't posted yet get first dibs um so of those three i think uh, as far as i know at the moment that may change that only northern ireland will bid in that case uh i don't think that'll mean they'll automatically get it just in case so if the if their bid isn't up to scratch uh, it may get put out to tender for other other countries as well, but um, I'd be surprised if that was the case. They seem to have yeah. their head screwed on those boys. So they've been talking um, about it for a while, I think. Yeah. So yeah, well, they're hosting the Ulster Open. Um, they've done that this year, and they've got the the Bastion, the the one that's coming up. Is it in? I don't know when it is. Well, they posted uh, they posted a little teaser um, in the captain's chat, like a, a YouTube video. To music video produced in Bangor. All right. So I don't know if maybe they're planning on putting a bid for there because I think they've got a club or a venue in Bangor. So I think it's important to say, I'm not sure if we've said it yet, but uh, all the other guys on all the teams are absolutely cracking. I had five great games, five great games. The the, the atmosphere with the teams was fantastic. Um, Didn't hear a bad word about a single game in terms of the attitudes of the players. I can't speak highly enough of how cool the community is just to go and play in, in terms of the Six Nations. Um, I just think I think we've built something really special in terms of that Six Nation community. It just, it's, I'm excited to see where it goes next. Yeah, if you're not interested in taking part or playing at Six Nations, you should get interested because um, it was like, although like the results weren't what we hoped for, it was probably the most enjoyable weekend of Warhammer that I've had just like the team atmosphere and getting to meet people from the like Irish uh, contingent and uh, the Swedes coming over as well. It was special. It was good. Yeah. There's nothing else quite like it. 
No. Um, uh, I would do it again in an absolute heartbeat. Um, I can't wait to do it again. So what are your next uh, tournaments? What are your next outings, Mike? Uh, I'm going to some shitty tournament uh, called um, Northern Incursion. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know I if think... I've heard of that one. Yeah. Oh, no, Northern... Oh, yeah, that's right. Northern Invasion. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh... Uh, that's... So that's the plan. That's my next one. And that's pretty much good. Oh, I think that's going to be my last run of the year, almost. And then the you're things... hosting as well, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm away. F- so what's that? What's after that? It's Warcry. I don't think I can make. And then Warpath. Onslaught. Warpath. And then on... Sorry, yeah, not Warcry. And then Warpath. I'm on holiday. Uh, I might be able to do Winter War, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but then I'm the Howling. My one-day tournament is in the end of October. And then it'll just be the Masters for me, um, assuming I qualify. Uh, I don't think I'll get down to any any more English tournament. Looking, I'm quite looking forward. I had quite an intense first half of the year in terms of the tournaments and obviously the build up to the Six Nations. I think that's also the one thing. Other things about the Six Nations result with the amount of work we've put in, the amount of time Nathan and I have talked about it, uh, spent thinking about it and planning it, and as a team we started thinking and planning about it. I mean, it's just disappointing to finish where we did. It's a bit gutting. As I said before, someone it's got to happen to someone, and I think the the standard was closer than it ever has been before. Yeah, and well, the, kind I, of, I, the, mar- the margins were so small. Well, I think that you should uh, you should be proud of the job you did anyway, because the team were all happy. We all enjoyed ourselves. Granted, we didn't get the results we wanted, but I think it was positive. Yeah. So anyway, so Northern Invasion's Max tournament. Uh, no idea what I'm taking yet because there's a general's handbook to drop in the meantime. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to hard to know what I'm doing yet. So, um, uh, no great hobby plans either yet. We'll see no. what's we'll see what's going on. See what inspires. It's hard, it's, we're, we're in we're in kind of um, we're in stasis a bit at the moment. I feel like until we know what's going on with the handbook, it's hard to make any plans or get excited about doing stuff. Well, we'll know. It'll only be what six days, and they'll be out. So everybody will have a copy, or well, they'll have a digital version, no yeah, doubt. Just be able to watch Gorilla miniatures. Do a yeah. full YouTube video review of the entire yeah. battle tome on Saturday, and then the Imagine Face Hammer will have an episode as well, dropping yeah. on yeah. the Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that should uh, give us a pointer for the for the coming year and give us all some ideas because yeah, it is very front loaded in in Scottish scene in particular. I uh, certainly find that January, February, March, April, um, I'm away almost every two or three weeks it seems and then everything tapers off then you've got the build-up to the six nations and then for me it kind of abruptly ends i'll probably be scrabbling around like a loon uh trying to get enough ranking points to get myself into the masters uh contention because hey, what events are you going to oh, i don't know uh, i'm going to the howling i'm definitely going to that for sure uh, good boy good doggy yeah I'm going to that. I don't know. I don't think I can make Warpath. Onslaught in September? I don't know, because I'm going to Tromso, aren't I? Oh, so you are, yeah. Um, well, that's a bit of a... That's, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, it That'd is. That's going to be a, a very good one. So that's all all booked now. Um, But I don't know. I don't know whether or not... Uh, I don't know if I can make Onslaught. It'll all depend. It depends on real life, but it's looking possible. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a wee break for a little bit, but I'm sure, I'm sure after Northern Invasion finishes, I've got nothing to look forward to. I might be feeling the pain a bit, but so I'll have to see how it goes. 
I was looking forward to a break, but then after the finish last weekend, it's uh, created a, a bit of a, a beast. Yeah. Yeah, I just it. like I've already got permission slip signed for next year when I was planning on taking a year off. <laughs> um, no, I'm uh, probably going to be taking my frustrations out on some unwitting, annoying tournament goers over the next few months. But, um, and then I'll, I'll take I'll take a break after August. Uh, up until Masters, I'll get to the Howling, and then from the Howling onwards, it's probably going to be for me at least anyway. Whether I'm on the team or not, probably Six Nations prep because we need to do better than last year. Need to. Oh, he's talking about being on the team again now. We oh, to talk about playing again. Ooh. Maybe not even playing, but I'm definitely going to try and force my way into some form of manipulation on the team. Because, yeah, I just can't stop thinking about it now. I'm too convinced yeah, it's not, it's, good. It's, it's not a nice thing to have on our CV. That's the problem. And you want to make sure you want to kind of make it up. Um, as much as I don't think we did, we, we made we did. We've let ourselves down in terms of our attitude to it and how we approached it. The, the result is not shown is let us, let us down a little bit, whether for whatever reason that is. That's just and you want to kind of put that to bed as soon as, soon as you can. Yeah, well, on that bombshell, it is this time of the evening, and um, we've we've hit our two-hour mark. So it's a short one. I've only been on for half an hour. Jesus, I know. Well, we, <laughs> what the hell are you talking our, about? Well, Northern Invasion. It's a small tournament that's coming, and we've also been talking about the uh, new ways to play in the General's Handbook. Mm. Um, so the 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 meet and engagement stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's I think in 8th edition, was was the small games called Meet and Engagement in 8th edition? I seem to no, remember that. No, one, one of just... the battle plans was called. Oh, but yeah, that's right, yeah, battle plans. Uh, but yeah, I used to really like the one in 8th edition where, um, was it called uh, Dawn something? And then uh, you'd roll the dice, and if it was a 1, you're on the left flank. That's right, two, yeah. You're on the right. Uh, oh no, 2 to 5, you're in the middle. And a 6, you were on the... Oh, oh no, two to four, you're in the middle. A five, you're on the right, and a six, you chose. And you had to do it for every single unit and character. Oh, and, and then some of them wouldn't come. On, and some of them wouldn't come on the board first first turn. Yeah, my dwarves, my, my, my tiller wouldn't come on the board first turn. You're like, ah, oh, shit. Oh, no. All my uh, trolls got put on one flank, and all my characters on the other. So they were all just going to stand there, stupid, all the way through, and there'd be animosity tests everywhere. It was good fun, but yeah, that'd be nice. But anyway, thank you very much for your time, chaps. Thank you for having me. No, no, and, uh, and thanks, thanks for uh, the service you've done, and we'll uh, we'll no doubt catch up again in the uh, advance of the howling. I can only apologise to all Scots out there that we didn't do better. Wow, oh, we've learned a valuable lesson, and we will get better as a result. So, well, the good news is we can't do any worse. <laughs> okay, it's good night from me. It's good night for him. And something, something. Uh. <laughs>